everybody. Hello. Welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Hey, do me a favor. We love the coffee bar. It is the coolest place in Barstow. But if we could go ahead and empty the coffee bar and fill up the sanctuary, that would be so incredible. Uh, so, uh, so tonight, uh, they are having a children's ministry workers meeting, uh, next door to Victory Hall. And so, like, tons of people are over there, which means that we're just gonna have a good time together and a tight knit, uh, family tonight over here in the main building. Isn't that cool? So, praise God. It is gonna be a great night hearing the word of God together. Let's go ahead and stand up tonight. We're gonna open up. By speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. All right, let's go through a few announcements here, everybody. We got a lot going on. First, I want to remind you that the September devotional is out. The printed copies are back there at the info booth and the uh, digital online copy is probably on there. If not, we'll have it posted um, this week. All right, you'll get to see a link on there on social media. Pastor Josh will put that on there and you can follow along online. All right, uh, announcements here. First of all, like we just said, the children church workers meeting is taking place right now so that's next door and that's where most of your brothers and sisters in the lord are so uh we love them but uh you know they're doing what they got to do over there all right okay uh let's see next sunday is labor day weekend so there's not going to be a 6 p.m service next sunday night so just a heads up for that no 6 p.m service next sunday night um another fun thing that we're super excited about is on wednesdays now we have children's ministry available for all ages, finally. And uh, we're the reason we're so excited is that we haven't been able to have that since pre-COVID. Um, so uh, on Wednesday nights, newborn babies all the way up through seniors in high school, we've got ministry for them. So uh, we're really happy about that. All right, men, the men's meeting is this Saturday, September 2nd at 9 a.m. And so our official motto is breakfast, Bibles, and bros. So be there for that. It's going to be absolutely great. And we haven't had any men's meetings uh, over the summer. So this will be a great time to jump back in and get connected with that. And uh, with that being said, we also have the women's meeting on Friday. Uh, oh, there it is. Whoa, hey, whoa. Fellas, fellas, wow, we just got put to shame, wow, oh man, okay. It's all good. Uh, so uh, Friday, September 8th at 6.30, it's the fall kickoff. Mrs. Pastor will be here to lead it. They'll be back from New York on Tuesday of this week. So uh, the, anyway, they'll be back and uh, they're all excited about that. And then 
last announcement is the Marrieds event for September, which we're really excited about, is going to be Friday, September 15th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Child care is provided. And so if you would just register online, hdwc.org slash married, uh, that'll tell them how many kids you got coming. And then at the info booth, uh, they have this QR code on the invitation, and that'll take you to a link for a very short couple of question um, survey that uh, Pastor Josh and Julie are doing, and uh, it's totally anonymous. They can't tell who answered the questions, but they're just looking for more information on the types of topics that they could cover at the uh, the marriage ministry. So anyway, if you could answer that, that would be absolutely great. All right. Well, I think that's all the announcements for tonight, so who knows what time it is now? Yes, sir. It's happy time. Amen. All right. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And we're going to go in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. Amen. Who's excited? Proverbs 10 and verse 22. I'm going to read it in the NLT. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. And I love this verse, man. I remember my dad showed me this one when I was a kid. Proverbs 10, verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. And so, uh, again, you may hear some people would say like, well, you don't want to talk about rich. You don't want to talk about money. Well, the Bible does. So I feel comfortable with it. Amen. If the Bible talks about it, I'm good with that. But here's the thing. There's so many people in this world that uh, they're looking to get rich and they're going about it all the wrong way. They'll do anything to get rich. They'll they'll lie, cheat, steal. They'll jump over your back. They'll stab you in the back. They'll do anything for money and they may get rich in this world, but there's a lot of sorrow that goes with it. And they certainly do not have the blessing of the Lord. But I love this. It tells us, man, that you'll get the blessing of the Lord. You do things his way and it will make a person rich no doubt about it but the good part is he adds no sorrow with it and that is a blessing and a promise from God's word we do things his way he'll bless us but there's no sorrow there's no extra baggage there's no other unintended consequences to go with it amen and that is an absolutely great promise from God's word all right let's go ahead and stand up together tonight we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings then pastor josh is going to lead us into worship and we're going to get right into the word of god it's going to be a great night together let's say this together as we bring the lord's tithe and give offerings today we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions raises and bonuses benefits sales and commissions growth and business settlements estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. can join me at the altar tonight for worship. In fact, I'd be nice if you could since there's not as many people over here tonight. And let's worship the Lord together.
praise God from whom all blessings flow. And praise Him, all creatures here below. And praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. And praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost And to God the Father and God the Son and in God the Spirit
pray that tonight as we're opening up our hearts to you, that we really would do as your word says. We would trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge you and we'll let you direct the paths, Lord. We thank you that you are so good to us, that your mercy is new every single morning. Your faithfulness, Lord, great is your faithfulness. We love you and we worship you tonight. And we ask that you would have your way in this service, Lord. I pray that we would have soft hearts to receive the seed of the word of God, that we would have open ears to hear the word, Lord, and that our eyes would be open to see what it is you're trying to show us in your word tonight. We love you and we praise you tonight. You are good in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight? Amen. He is good to us. Who knows that God's been good to you? Who knows that God's been even better than what you probably deserve? Hey, that's the truth in my life, man. My goodness. I look at the things that he's done for me and I got to ask why? Why? But the truth is, it's not because I deserve it. It's the grace of God. Amen. He is so good to us. Well, we had a good time this morning. Who was with us this morning? You're either online or in, in the house here. Amen. We had a, we were talking about serving in the house of the Lord and, I uh, believe that God spoke to a lot of us and I'm super happy about that. Uh, but tonight we're going to be, uh, going a little bit of a different direction. I'm really, uh, excited about this. Uh, the title is Stare at the invisible staring 
at the invisible. And, you know, you hear something like that and it's an oxymoron because it's like, how do you stare at something you can't even see? And the, the, the answer is you do it by faith. Amen. And so in order to be a person of faith, you have to focus on things that you can't see. Uh, because if you're going to focus on God, you're going to have to do it by faith because you cannot see him with your eyeballs, can you? If you're going to focus on the answers in life, sometimes you don't, you don't even know what you can't see the answer, but you do know that God has it under control. Amen. And this is the most fundamental aspect of Christianity. It's a complete leap of faith because we are trusting our lives to someone that we cannot see. And I always say it this way, my God, whom I've never seen, has done more for me than any person that I can see. And you know that tonight, that he's done more for you than anybody that you've ever seen in this world anyway. So it's a no-brainer. But the truth of the matter is, and I'll, I'll get to the specific scripture in just a little bit, but we are told to stare at the invisible. We're told to look at the unseen and that's a huge, huge thing for us. You know, I heard this story about uh, a family, their house caught on fire and everybody had got out, but the little girl was still up there. And so she was in the upstairs window and, and the dad was down on the ground just saying, honey, jump, just jump. You have to jump. It's the only way out. And the little girl was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't see you. And the dad says, it's okay. You can't see me, but I can see you. And that's exactly how it is with God. He's saying, just jump, okay? I know you can't see me, but it's okay. I can see you and I've got you. And that's what faith is like. Sometimes we take a little bit of a leap. Sometimes we take that next step and we can't even see the road in front of us, but it's okay because God has got this, all right? So I'm gonna get into a few things here tonight. Let's look at number one. Number one, don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the problem, amen? Don't focus on the cameraman. Focus on the preacher. How's that sound tonight, huh? All right. <laughs> so number one, don't focus on the problem. And I'm going to show you a Bible verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. Can we go there tonight? 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at verse 18. Amen. And so you got to know that if you are going to overcome, your focus cannot be on the problem itself. So 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at verse 18. And I'm going to be in the New Living Translation most of the evening. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 in the NLT. And I love what the Apostle Paul told us right here. He said, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Check that out. It says, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Do you understand that? That the things we cannot see, the eternal things, will last forever. 
And, you know, as I've said, I even said it this morning, that if you're trying to look for problems in this world, you're not going to have to look very far. They're everywhere, right? This place is a mess. We get that. And so uh, that, that, that's not the deal is locating problems. You know, there's enough people doing that. But a major problem that I see for the majority of people, Christians included, is only focusing on the problems. Now, we're not saying that we need to be in a, a state of denial and say, hey, there's no problems. Everything's fine. Everything's good. We understand that there's issues in this world, but simply saying, oh, this is bad. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Oh, boy, this is bad. It's getting worse. It's only... Get-. Listen, that doesn't fix anything, does it? There's plenty of people that are professionals at pointing out the bad in life, but I, I think of it this way. When you stare at the problem, it's like staring at the sun. You know, it may be, you know, it may be cool for a minute, but <laughs> if you're a little kid, you know, they do things like that. But, you know, if you stare at the sun, like after a while, it's going to absolutely mess up your vision altogether. And I mean, even worse than that, you know, looking at staring at an eclipse, that's how bad it is. It'll real, it'll blind you in life. And there's so many people that I've seen, they're like, man, this problem is this. And you can bring the Bible to them and say, I know, but it says right here in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can present them with the truth, but they have stared at the problem for so long that they're blind to the truth. You ever seen something like that? And you're like, well, why can't you get it? Well, they've been staring at the wrong thing for so long. And the word of God tells us right here that we are to fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We're talking about God's word. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about focusing on him because the things we see now will soon be gone. You understand that, right? That your very worst problems right now are temporary at best. They're, they're absolutely temporary. And even if, uh, even if, let's say you had something going on and, uh, and, and, and you didn't get the answer here on earth. Well, guess what? You're going to heaven. So you still win, right? Amen. Uh, no matter what, even if you live to be 150 years old, which you're not going to, but even if you did, uh, listen, <laughs> even if you did, your problems would only be temporary. And the Bible's talking right now about the eternal. Amen. And so even if you were to live a hundred years down here in the grand scheme of things, a hundred years is a drop in the bucket. It's like two seconds in God's time zone. So why am I going to waste all of my time and energy staring at the problem, blinding myself to the truth of God's word and tripping myself up in life all the time? It's awful. I was a few years ago. I was um, I was talking to one of my neighbors, and he's a he's a he's an all right guy. He's an okay guy. But uh, he goes he's a, and he goes to another church in town, and I love him so much. But so he was talking about how bad our neighborhood was, and oh oh you should see it. it, it it's getting worse by the day, and blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, well, we're both Christians here, so hey. So I said, yeah, I, I read that, I saw that, but man, isn't it good that we have promises from God's word, Psalm 91, that He sends His angels to surround and protect us? Amen. Aren't you glad for the promises of God's word? This is literally what he did. A lot of good that's doing. He rolled his eyes. He did a complete roll, sunrise to sunset. He did the whole thing. And I was like, wait, uh uh-huh. 
Are we reading the same Bible? Because I mean, I got myself excited just quoting that. And then he like, he literally did that. Literally. And I'm like, why? Gosh, man. Wow. I I went back home. I'm I'm not going to sit here and get barfed on with your doubt, your negativity. Man, I can get that anywhere. I can can do that at home. I don't need that right here. Come on. And so anyway, but what I'm saying is this guy, God bless his heart, wonderful, nice man, but he stared at the negative. He has stared at the bad and at the problem for so long that you could put the Bible directly in his face and he just literally roll his eyes at it. And I'm like, my goodness, man. Listen, we are told to not focus on the problem. And as a Christian, if there are problems, well, guess what? You've been called to help fix them. Yeah? Anybody? You're part of the solution. And so we put it this way, that as a Christian, we are a thermostat. A thermometer, it just tells the temperature of the room. It just says, it's hot in here, or it's too cold in here. But the thermostat does something about it. It adjusts the climate to where it's at. And that's how a Christian should be. Amen? There's enough people going around just saying, you know, what the issues are, what the problems are, telling you what the temperature is in the room. But a Christian, amen, a disciple of Jesus, they change the room. They change change the situation by their faith. And so I'm just encouraging us tonight, man, start staring at the invisible. Quit just looking at the problems, man. Stare at what God's telling us to do. And so number two is this, all right, is we're going to say to focus on God. Number one, don't focus on the problem. Number two, focus on God. Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. Amen. And someone's like, well, hey, well, how do I focus on God? Well, there's a lot of great ways that we're going to, we can show you to do that. But I want to, I want to get to something here. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Is anybody glad they came to church tonight? Amen. Yeah, this is better than being at home, right? Yeah, amen. <laughs> Listen, I know you guys, you literally had nothing better to do, okay? I'm kidding. You're here because you wanted to be here. I know that. All right. So Hebrews 11 and verse 6, this is a game changer. This is an absolutely pivotal verse for us. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. So let me ask you, before we finish that verse, what are the chances that you please God without having any faith? It's a 0% chance. It's literally impossible. Well, with God, all things are possible. Yeah, well, you, then you would have to actually have some faith. Did you? Amen. And so... It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, the King James says, diligently seek him. And so, I mean, I love this verse. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Because you can't even believe that he's real without faith. It takes faith to even believe that he exists and to even come to him. But I love the ending of this verse. It says that we've got to believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
And I know, I mean, I've just heard so many people say, well, I serve God, but uh, don't go get talking about rewards and promises and all that. Man, if I'm going to talk about the Bible, I'm going to talk about the Bible. And it says right here that he rewards those who diligently and sincerely seek him. And so, again, there's a lot of people like, well, I seek God and I never get nothing. I don't get, nothing ever happens for me. Okay, well, let's read this verse properly. It says, he rewards those who sincerely seek him. There's a difference between just saying that, yeah, I seek God. Yeah, I do. There's a difference between talking it and actually doing it. Amen. And so if we're going to sincerely seek God, it's going to change your life. You're going to say no to things that you used to say yes to. And you're going to say yes to things that you used to say no to. It absolutely change your life when you get the fear of God on the inside of you. And you begin to sincerely seek him. And I can tell you right now from experience and from knowing so many people here that absolutely when you get real, when you sincerely seek him, oh yeah, he will reward you. Absolutely. He will bless your life. And it's an incredible thing. I would never want to trade the blessing of God. Let's go down to verse 27 because here's one of the main verses I wanted to get out tonight. So Hebrews 11 is called the faith hall of fame. And what it does is uh, the writer of Hebrews lays out several different Old Testament heroes, uh, all sorts of great people, Noah, uh, Abraham, all these guys. And, and, and he lays out their faith story and, and just a, a verse or two. And it's like, it's the hall of fame and, and it's incredible. But I love right here what he says about Moses. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27, it says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Why? He kept right on going because, here it is, he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And of course, he's talking about God the Father. And, uh, and, and, and it sounds like such an oxymoron. How do you stare at something that you can't even see? That doesn't make any sense. Now, to a, a non-Christian, that doesn't make any sense. If you're a Christian, this makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You get this, right? This doesn't even sound that crazy when you have a relationship with Jesus. And so, Moses right here, he was able to do what he did because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Well, how do you do that? It's simple. You don't focus on the problem. You focus on the promise. I'll say that again. I think God deserved an amen. I'm going to say it again. You don't focus on the problem. You focus on the promise. Amen. And so what does that mean? The problem may be over here yelling at you. You may have Goliath right beside you saying, I'm going to kill you. But right over here, you've got the word of God right beside you. Amen. Saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There's so so many promises that if we're focusing on those, hey, you've got this. You can take Goliath down. You can go through the lion's den if you had to. You could walk through the fiery furnace if you had to. You could walk right through the Red Sea with Pharaoh chasing you down if you needed to because your eyes are not on Pharaoh. Your eyes are not on the lions. Your eyes are not on Goliath. Your eyes 
are on the one who is invisible. And so it is so important. The more of God's word that you get in your heart, the more doable that this is. The more doable, the the more realistic this is. The more of God's word that you get in your heart, I'm telling you right now, the more victory you're going to start seeing in your life. Moses had to focus on God. What else could he do? He was surrounded. They were outnumbered. They had nothing. He had to focus on God. And I feel like sometimes we may be in a spot where like, I've got no options. What? I've only got God. Perfect. You're in the best spot you could be in right now, man. You've got no other choice but to focus on God and to trust God. Because if you don't, the lions are coming. Amen. And you're like, well, that's scary. Well, hey, you've got to use your faith at this point. And so this is so huge for us to get. I want you to see some. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Let's do that. Who loves Matthew 14? Man, who knows what it says? <laughs> I'm just playing with you. It's, it's a good one. It's a good one. You know what it says. I'm just true. Matthew 14. And we're going to look here. Oh, let's go to verse 19. Matthew 14. And verse 19. You know, and, and so looking at our lives, man, I mean, Moses, he had, he had some setbacks. He got a promise from God's word. And you know, let, and he did. He, he went through and he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And uh, we know that. Ten different times there were ten plagues in the book of Exodus, but Pharaoh kept hardening his heart and changing his mind. And sometimes it seems like, man, I got a promise from God's word, and then this happened, and then that happened, and, and then there was a setback here. Well, you're in fantastic company because nearly every person in the Bible that saw major victories had some big old setbacks, right? I mean, you don't get a big testimony without a great big test. And there's a lot of people like, man, I'd love a great story to tell. This guy's telling how he overcame the giants. And this guy's telling how he, you know, called the mountain to move into the sea. And like, yeah, but guess what? The reason that he was able to throw the mountain into the sea is because there was a mountain, right? The, The reason that David was able to kill a giant is because there was a giant. And so... In our lives, even if we're facing a giant, man, don't flip out. Trust God. Focus on God. And in the end, you're going to have a giant testimony. Amen? And so keep this in mind. All right, so Matthew chapter 14, and I believe we've got a perfect example from Jesus right here of where we are supposed to put our focus. And so this is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Matthew 14, verse 19 <clears throat> says, Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Now, look at this. Right there in verse 19, you see, Jesus has a pretty big issue on his hands because he just told 5,000 people he was going to feed them and he didn't have anything at all until they got, you know, some fish and some bread from a little boy. And so now he's 
a little bit closer to the problem, but still really, really far away. And so Jesus does something really key here in verse 19 that I believe is not only symbolic, but a reality for us. He's got this situation, and it specifically says that he took the the fish and the bread, and then he looked up toward heaven. He looked to heaven. He didn't look at what he had. He didn't look at all the people and the problem. He changed his focus to heaven. And I believe for us, that's a word for us tonight, that you may be in a spot where like, you're just looking at the little bit you have. You're looking at all of this over here. But what you need to do is take what you got and look up to heaven and change your focus. And so Jesus took the two fish that he did have and asked God and trusted God for 4,998 others. And guess what? They showed up. Amen. And so for you, maybe you need a $5,000 miracle and all you've got is $2. Well, hey, you've got two. Now all you need is 4,998. And guess what? Jesus has them. Amen. He's got it and he can get it to you. If you've got guts enough to believe him, he's got the power to get it to you. Amen. And so this is all about, though, focusing on God and really trusting him. So take what you do have, give thanks to God for it, and then turn your focus to heaven and watch something great happen. That's how God works. So we're talking about staring at the invisible. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And the third thing tonight we're going to say is this in regards to staring at the invisible. And too many people lose sight of this. Number three, focus on heaven. Focus on heaven. Now, this point is something that I I feel we as modern day Christians lose sight of way too much. And with social media and constant 24-7 news cycles and communication, it's easier than ever to get caught up into the things of this world. I mean, you don't even have to go looking for it. It just comes to you. And it's so important that we be disciplined enough to tune out a bunch of this stuff and keep our focus where it needs to be. On God, absolutely, and on heaven. And I'm going to show you some great verses here in just a second. But there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I, I like to share. And he said, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. And I'm going to tell you now, if you don't ever think about heaven, if you don't ever focus on heaven, you will have absolutely no motivation to go witness to people. I know that at the very least, but we're called, and I'll show you some verses here to think about heaven, to focus on heaven. And I get made fun of for this. All you guys know that people tease me because sometimes, man, I'll just be sitting there staring out the window. And my wife will come up like, well, what are you thinking about? I'm like, heaven. (laughs) Well, what are you doing? And there, you know, I get it that there's a point of being so heavenly minded. You know, you you got, there's things we got to deal with here on this earth. But I think you won't be good at any of that if you don't ever think about heaven. And I have found out at an alarming rate that the majority of people I talk to, if they're being honest with me, 
they don't ever think about heaven. They just constantly think about earth. And that's fine, but I'm going to live down here at best. I mean, absolute best, like another 60 years, 70 years at the, at the most. I'm going to live like another 10 trillion years in the next and beyond. It's eternal. It'll never end. Why would I spend all of my time and energy thinking about something very, very temporary? I've got business to handle here. I get that. And I, and I, I handle it. You know, I do what I got to do. But make no mistake, I absolutely, I think about heaven a lot. And I get really excited. You should get excited. What if I told you like, hey man, just so you know, coming up, all right, I'll tell you what I'm not going to tell you yet, but coming up, I've got, you know, two tickets to wherever it is you want to go. Personally, I don't recommend Miami now, but I'm just going to tell you whatever it is that you want to go to, (laughs) whatever it is, uh, you know, and and so it's coming. Okay. It's going to be the best thing. All expenses paid, you know, just, it's going to be great. And so wouldn't you at least think about that a little bit? Like, yeah, I mean, I'd still go to work. I'd still do what I had to do, but make no mistake about it. I'd be sitting there, man, what am I going to do? What do I want to eat? Where do, what do I want to do when I get over there? I'd be thinking about it. And oh yeah, I sit there sometimes and I just think about heaven. It's going to be great. Look at Colossians chapter three. I'm going to read this out of the living Bible, TLB, the living Bible. So not the new living translation, but the living Bible. And so there's the old saying, you know, you can't be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. But I would also say that you've got to be some heavenly minded so you can be some earthly good. If you don't ever uh, think about or consider heaven in any of your decisions, and you know, when I think about heaven, it also uh, helps me to do the right thing a lot of times because there is nothing worth risking heaven over. And we read about last week, uh, Wednesday night and last Sunday morning out of Galatians 5, there are certainly some things that we can get involved with that would uh, prohibit us from heaven. And I've got no interest in that whatsoever. So Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 3, Living Bible. Colossians 3, 2 through 3 in the Living Bible. It says, let heaven Fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. And so this life, this ain't the real and final thing. You get that, right? This is temporary. And and, and the real thing is up there and it's eternal. This is just, you know, uh, dress rehearsal. This is just, I don't know what you want to call it, but this is just the temporary. And you know, it reminds me of someone driving an old junkie car and telling you, oh, you know, my real car is a Mercedes. It just isn't here right now. You know, I remember in high school, I had friends that say stuff like that, but, but oh, no, 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 this isn't the real thing. My, my real one's at home. Well, hey, you may look down here and be like, well, I'm not that impressed with you. That's fine. Hey, this isn't the real thing for me. The real thing is up there and I'm going to go there someday. And that's the eternal thing and i am super excited about it and so i could talk about heaven for a very long time uh and, but uh but but I'll, I'll say this well let's go over to second corinthians 12 and as we're going over there second corinthians 12 we talked about earlier even if you live to be a hundred or 200 that's about two seconds in eternity 
You know, the scripture tells us that a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so our time zone is not the same time zone as what he is. And so it would do a whole lot of good for us to spend some time focusing in the right places. And one of those places that the Bible tells us to think about and focus on is heaven. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul had a vision about heaven where he was allowed to, uh, to, to see it. And he says here he doesn't know if it was just a, a vision or a dream or if he literally went there. But let's see here, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. What's the third heaven? Well, the Bible, if you study it, talks about three things in Scripture referred to as heaven. You've got the heaven, the first heaven, which we would just say is the sky right here, the clouds, the heavens. And then the second heaven would be beyond that, looking into outer space and and the sun, moon, and stars. But the third heaven is our real home. So you need to know about it if you're going to move there someday. And so Paul right here says, I was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things that no human is allowed to tell. And so I, you know, I I think about this. I'm like, well, what did you hear? What did you see? Well, what was it like up there? And I've heard stories of, of people having visions of heaven, and I believe it, and, and people getting to, to see glimpses and bits and pieces of heaven. And I have just, you know, I've heard of, 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 of people describing there's colors that don't exist in this dimension, in this realm. So they can't try to describe it. There's, there's things, there's, there's, as Paul said, he heard things so astounding that he couldn't describe it. And how would you describe something to somebody when there's just nothing on the same level? You, you couldn't do it. That would be like, you know, someone from our lifetime going back to a couple thousand years ago and, 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 and trying to describe something, you know, like, uh, like, like Del Taco. Like, well, how could you do it? Like, how do I put this into words? You know, like, what, what do you do? And, and, and so Paul was like, I, heard things. I, I, uh, you know, there were things so astounding that I, I wish I could tell you, but I, I can't, I can't even describe it. And I, I believe that that's such an incredible thing. Now the book of revelation gives us a little bit of insight into heaven. You know what? I wasn't going to go to all these verses, but you guys seem really into this. Who wants to go? Huh? Let's go. All right, let's go. Revelation 22. I wasn't going to, but now I am revelation 22. And so the book of Revelation here at the very end. So Revelation, the Apostle John gets this incredible vision um, where he gets to see what's, you know, going to happen in the end times. And, and he, he writes all this down. So uh, these verses will not be on the screen unless Maylie goes to the software instead of the PowerPoint. But that's okay. But uh, Revelation 22 and... Um, 
I'm going to look at the first couple of verses here, but the Apostle John, I mean, he lived the longest out of all the disciples. He was the only one of the 12 to die of natural causes. All the, the other 11 were murdered uh, for the faith, but it's just like they couldn't kill John. And so he lives to be an old man into his 90s even. And, and so they're like, well, just throw the old man, I'll put him in prison on this island out there, Patmos. And so they send John, they think they'll shut him up. They put him on this island this prison island, and it's right there that God gives him the vision, the revelation that we know as the book of Revelation. And so I love this, uh, that he gets to see all these things. And here we have it, uh, Revelation 22. Let's look at verses 1 through 2. The angels, you know, showing him heaven. It says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. With a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. And so this is one thing about heaven going right down the main street flowing from the throne of God. We have the river of life. And next to this river, we have the tree of life. And, and this tree, think about that. It says it, it grows 12 different crops of fruit with a fresh new crop each month. When, I mean, how do you explain that? There's nothing like that on earth. I'll tell you that right now. You can't buy a tree that you can pick an apple off of in March and go to the same tree in April and get an orange off of it. That doesn't exist down here. But we're not talking about here. We're talking about heaven and the river of life flows down the main street of heaven. And, and it says these leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. That's, that's incredible. Let, let's look down here. Uh, let's go to verse 15. Verse 15. And so th- this, this tells us uh, about heaven right here. And so this tells us a little bit about the size of heaven. It says, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city. So heaven is referred to as being a city. So he measured the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. And so thinking about this, that's a very big city because most cities we know, they can go this way and they can go that way. Heaven does that. And then it also goes the same distance high, 1,400 miles tall, 1,400 miles in each direction. And so just to, to get a little glimpse of what, uh, how, how tall that is, the average commercial airliner flies like seven or eight miles in the air. We're, we're talking about 1400 miles from floor to way up. I mean, this is incredible. The walls are 216 feet thick. I don't know much about construction, admittedly, but I'm pretty sure that's a very thick wall. 216 feet thick? My gosh, that's incredible. Let's go on a little bit further here. 
The wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. And I, I mean, there's some great gold in this world, but it's not as clear as glass. Verse 19, the wall of the city was built on foundation stones and laid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper. Um, I'll, I'll read all of them. Sure, why not? <laughs> the second, sapphire. The third, agate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, carnelian. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophrase, and the 11th jacinth, and the 12th amethyst. And now look at this. The 12 gates were made of pearls. This always gets me. Each gate from a single pearl. So there's 12 gates to heaven, and each gate is made from one giant pearl. One giant pearl. And so again, how do you describe that to somebody? Do you understand how rich God is? I mean, he makes Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos look like absolute nothings. They couldn't, they couldn't buy one city block in heaven. They couldn't buy a piece of sidewalk in heaven. This is what heaven is like. And so if you're like, "Eh, I don't like fancy stuff. I don't like, you may not like heaven then. I don't know. (laughs) It's really, really fancy. Really, really fancy. I went into the Plaza Hotel in New York City last year just because I wanted to see where Home Alone 2 was filmed. And so I go in there and I'm like, wow, you know, for a, for a guy from Martinsville, Indiana and, you know, Barstow, I go in there and I'm looking at this marble and this gold everywhere and I'm like, golly, pa, I've never seen nothing like this. I felt like the little hillbilly that I really am. But, you know, I'm like, I, I, this is out of my league right here. But guess what? The Plaza Hotel is out of heaven's league. It is nothing compared to what we're going to see in heaven. And so, the and here it is. Everyone, people talk about this. The main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. And so, this is a picture of what heaven is like. And uh, you could go on and on reading about this. But one of the, my favorite things about heaven is Revelation 21.4. You can put that one on the screen, Maley. Revelation 21.4 is this, is that there's absolutely no pain in heaven. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And so when we get to heaven, people ask me like, am I going to be sad that my puppy dog isn't there? Am I going to be sad that I can't drive my Lamborghini? Am I going to be sad like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, no. No, you won't even think about any of these things. Sorry if I offended your dog. I didn't mean to, but what I'm saying is, is that the things that seem significant here I promise you, you are not going to think about in heaven. They will be a non-factor. They will, they won't even be on your mind whatsoever. I promise you that. And even the thought of pain or sorrow, they're gone forever. He wipes every tear from our eyes. And so who thinks the things we just read about sound a lot better than where we live right now? I'm I'm just being real, just being real. And so, listen, I understand that we have a life to live in this world. I understand that we've got stuff to do down here. But I don't believe you can properly do anything here if you don't ever think about this. 
you've got to have some focus on heaven. And so the title tonight is Staring at the Invisible. We are told to not focus on all these problems, but to focus on God and even specifically to focus on heaven. There's this old hymn that, uh, you know, that, that we sing sometimes, but says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so that's how you do this. You turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the more that I'm focused there, the things of earth begin to just grow strangely dim. Like there's things I used to care about I don't even care about anymore. I literally don't care if other people have more money than me or a bigger house or a nicer car. Like seriously don't care. Makes no difference to me. You know, there's things that, well, hey, why did this happen? And hey, they got to do that. And like, man, I didn't even notice. My focus is on Jesus. The things of earth, as we're going up, 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 and up, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. And so my encouragement for you tonight is this. If you've had stuff going on, if you've had difficulties, if you've had things that are coming against you, we get it, all right? And we're going to use our faith to overcome any mountain that comes our way. But I'm telling you right now, the good in your life outweighs the bad. You've got more than what you realize because you've got everything when you've got Jesus. Amen. You've got it. You've got everything you need right there. And so focus on him. The other things, they'll fall into place. He'll take care of it. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close things down there tonight. Praise God. Did anybody receive anything from the word of God this evening? Amen. The Lord is so good to us. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to stand up together. I'll have my prayer team come on up with me tonight. Of course, if you're here and you need prayer, we'd love to be in agreement with you. We'll release our faith and watch God move in your situation. But I encourage you, you know, to, hey, let's worship God for a few minutes here tonight. You can tell that Pastor Josh is going to play that song for me. So let's go ahead and, uh, and let's sing this together. And if you need prayer, come on up. But if not, let's worship the Lord tonight. Amen.
tonight. Amen. I trust everybody's been blessed from the word of God this evening. And I encourage you to keep your focus in the right place. You know, don't be staring at, at all these things. Be staring at the invisible, at, at the Lord and at heaven. And someday we'll get to see him. Someday we'll get to see these things. But until then, we're going to walk by faith. Amen. All right, we're going to close things out tonight, close it out in prayer, and uh, then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession, and I know that you're going to have a great week. Who's going to have a great week this week? Of course you are. Amen. Of course you are. All right, well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And Lord, just like Moses kept on going, Lord, nothing stopped him because his eyes were fixed on the unseen, on the invisible. And Lord, we're just going to be just like that, Lord. Nothing is going to get in our way of following you. We love you. And Lord, I pray for every person here tonight, everybody watching online, in the name of Jesus, that great things are happening in their life. The breakthrough that they've needed is coming in the name of Jesus, Lord. They're walking by faith, not by sight. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And Lord, there's a blessing on their life and on their family and on their marriage and on their children and on their finances and on their health and everything else, Lord. I thank you for your goodness and that you reward those that sincerely seek you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, all right. Well, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you with.